the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Welk. Rob Black talking to all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Happy New Year. I like comparing things. I think investing is about comparing things. And it's a really weird thing to say out loud. If you learn to compare one company with another company, you're moving in the right direction. But you have to find companies that are similar. So... Microsoft compared to Apple isn't a fair comparison because Microsoft, I believe, is more of a software company, whereas Apple is more of a hardware company. But a lot of levels, they compete with each other, right? Not on their sales. But like a great example would be if you want to look at your drug companies, Merck, Pfizer, Eli Lilly. Who's got drugs that are on patent? Who's got drugs who are coming off of patent soon? Who's got drugs in the pipeline? And if you were to say, which one of the three should I buy? I would look at them side by side by side by side. And for instance, Eli Lilly has a legendary new weight loss drug. That could become the best-selling drug of all time, but concerns are mounting about who will actually be able to afford it. Now, before we go to which drug company we should buy or look at. Let's say a great way to compare things is similar companies. Let me give you a really good example and similar ideas. Which one's better, the Xbox Series X or the PlayStation 5? Despite its lower price point and potential for a slew of upcoming exclusive content, Microsoft's Xbox Series X continues to trail Sony's PlayStation 5 in U.S. sales. Sony has increased the gap by more than a million units sold since they started selling the units. Telling you that Sony PlayStation has sold roughly 10.3 million units in its first 25 months, while Xbox has sold 9.3 million. Not too shabby, right? But now you can see who you think is winning. Um, Keep in mind that in the world of video game sales, the first year is usually a loss leader. Second year is more of a break even. Because the first year, they're trying to figure out how to make these damn things. They're trying to figure out what to go put inside of them. And they're using the cutting edge technology. And technology is always about smarter. It's not about smarter. It's about smaller, cheaper, and faster. Oh, that's my first flub of 2023. Throw a nickel in the jar, right? Um, so there's there's not too much discrepancy in the two. Just a little, 10%. Yeah, 10% is a lot when you're talking about millions of dollars, right? So Eli Lilly has a new weight loss drug, and experts are confident the drug called terzepatide, terzepatide will be granted approval by the FDA. If you ever want to do something really funny, a drinking game, put out the names of drugs and have people try to guess them. 
And well, the, it gets kind of funny. Um, but Terzeptide could hit record $48 billion in revenue. It's going to join two other popular and expensive recently approved weight loss drugs on the market, Wagovi and Sixzenda, um, both from the drug maker Novo Nordisk. Analysts expect that Treceptide could reach $25 billion of sales, a figure that would still surpass the record $26.7 million by AbbVie's rheumatoid arthritis. So you're talking about the biggest drug in the world. That's pretty cool. Now, Eli Lilly has this new drug, and they're trying to figure out how to price it. Now, you're going to hear a lot about this in the coming years. It's going to be about $1,350 for a month's supply. So what's that come out to about $300 a week? Does that sound about right? Am I doing my math kind of close? Uh, $325. With taxes, I don't know, maybe $400. I don't even know if we're pricing taxes into this, right? Do drugs get taxed at drugstores? <laughs> These are things like you got to stop and ask yourself, I don't know. And wouldn't that be unfair? If you start to take a look at the senior citizens who are getting their prescriptions filled, you get the idea. In different states. But the clinical trials have been highly effective for weight loss. All three drugs, which are given as injections, work in a similar way. They're a class of drugs called GLP-1 agonists, which mimic a hormone that reduces food intake and appetite. That sounds like a miracle for a lot of people. How much would you be willing to pay to lose weight? I can already tell you, I know one person who picked up some of these drugs and um, he picked up the Ozampic one, but he didn't go to a doctor. So when he was in Mexico, he picked it up there. I'm like, oh, you're killing me, dude. Please be cautious with doing that. But I get it. I get it. Spokesperson for Eli Lilly declined to comment on what the cost is going to be, but about $1,350. That's a lot of money. A phase three clinical trial found a high dose of trisipatide helped patients lose 22.5% of their average body weight, or about 52 pounds, better than any medication currently on the market. Most patients in the trial had a body mass index or BMI of 30 or higher. Wagova and Sixenda. Reduce body weight by about 15% and 5%. So the clear leader is trisepatide at 22.5%. Doctors are going to look at this and you're going to go in and you're going to be stepping on the scale and he's going to say, well, you really could lose 20 pounds, Mr. Black. And I'm going to give you a prescription of trisepatide. It's going to cost you $1,350 a month. You good with that? I'd be like, okay, let me think about that. Trizipatide is right now for, the drug is the name Munjara for diabetes. Semaglutide, which marketed for weight loss, is sold at a higher dose and called Wagovi at a lower dose. It's marketed for diabetes and sold as Ozempic. A higher dose of the drug Lergitude is sold under the name Sexinda for weight loss at a lower dose. So you can kind of see where you're going to start seeing doctors pick a side and I hate to say this because it makes doctors sound vapid but there are drug salespeople in the industry Eli Lilly has them 
Merck has them, Pfizer has them. They're going to be dropping by the doctor's office with New Year's goodies. And it could be a candy platter. I don't know, candy platter. Can you imagine what world I live in that has candy platters? It can be lunch. It can be a lot of little swag gifts. And then some marketing information about their version of these weight loss drugs. And doctors will go, well, we really like the salesperson. Or doctors are going to go, we really like this research on this one more so than that one. Now, what's interesting about this is all three drugs are expensive. The drugs used to treat diabetes are covered by most insurance. That's not the case that they're going to be for obesity. Obesity carries a unique stigma, in my opinion, in the United States. Um, I have always been very, very cautious how I tell my kids, you're getting a little chubby. We need to go for some runs. You know, maybe we need to cut back on the sugar because I think it psychologically messes with a lot of human beings. In addition to older anti-obesity medications not being very effective, which made insurers reluctant to cover many of the new therapies, insurance companies would love to see you and me lose weight because complications as we age happen because we have weight. And they really want to steer us clear of diabetes because that's a very expensive disease to treat. So this is a massive breakthrough. 2023 should be a very good year for looking fit. But we still haven't figured out all the details. Some insurers may select one of the weight loss drugs and offer coverage. They often restrict access only to patients who meet a certain threshold, such as a BMI greater than 30, body mass index. There's a lot of, I don't want to say back and forth. I would say there's a lot of balancing between the insurance industry, the pharmaceutical industry, and the doctor prescription industry. I am at a point where I know my weight issue is tied towards exercise. It's tied towards getting my heart beat up for 30 minutes a day at a consistent level. And again, I'm not a doctor. You know, maybe it's my diet a little bit. I haven't gained much weight. I haven't lost much weight in 25 years. So it's crazy because there was one point in my life where I got heavy. And uh, I look back on it, and it was after my second kid. And I guess I was a little down, a little discouraged with like, yeah, life used to be fun before diapers. Or was it just that I was staying up all night long doing the diapers and just getting exhausted, not exercising? But for about a year, I was 35 pounds overweight, maybe 40. Now I'm about 10, 15. Um, but uh, I don't like it. Okay, I'm going to change the topic. I don't want to see. I don't, that's that's how psychologically bad weight loss is, and the stigma of being heavy. You actually heard me say I don't want to talk about it anymore. Like I started talking about myself, and I'm like, nah, I don't even like the way that looks with me with my clothes off. Like, uh, would I take a drug at thirteen hundred fifty dollars a month? That's a good question. I would do everything I could to try not to. Terzipatide by Lilly is expected to be a blockbuster drug for obesity. It's RDC and supply shortages for use as a diabetes injection. And someone that I know, and I'm not going to give out his name, like I said, went to Mexico, picked up some shots to give himself. 
I'm like, oh boy, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, psychologically, will there be a shift in the way the United States or Canada or the UK or other countries handle obesity, handle the drug companies? Yeah, yeah. We all have our own little, as countries, we all have our little mandates for sure and psychological leanings of do we treat the disease? Do we treat the person? You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Don't want to work forever? Check out the retirement planning guide on robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. My brother Dave reached out and asked me. He's on the East Coast. He's like, hey, are you guys handling the storm? Okay, we're just checking in to make sure you're okay. So it's a big national news kind of thing. Uh, and I sent a picture of a down tree in front of my car. And <laughs> it was a Christmas tree. And he didn't think that was funny. I said, there's a down tree in front of my car. Wah, wah. Can I get a wah, wah? Can I get a something? Can I get a crowd laughing? Can I get anything? Help. Producer, I'm sinking. Um, it is interesting that we've got a lot of rain in California recently. And one of the things that I've decided to uh do recently as i was watching the news i was watching the news i want to protect my family mudslides things like that and then i got to the point where i'm, I'm just burned out <laughs> i'm newsed out uh, what's your favorite weather app drop me an email this weekend do me a favor drop me an email this weekend is it national weather service is it mine is accuweather um i think they do a nice job um not a great app though great website Ooh, now you're killing me for snow in the mountains, I use an app called Open Snow. Uh, I think they do the best job because I don't think the computer models at weather centers do a good job with snow. There's a difference between a snowstorm coming and telling you it's going to be six feet of snow. snow. So I like AccuWeather. AccuWeather, what do you like? The Dallas Federal Reserve said home prices could plunge another 20%. Should I wait for the bottom to buy a house or bite the bullet now is the question that I get. Um, there's a lot of strategy with buying your home, especially buying your first home. Um, I told you last year on the air, and I love saying last year when it's like, we are six days into the new year. Last year, remember when we were children, I decided I was going to buy one more home. Look, I live from age 20 to 60 earning income and then from 60 to 100 living off of it. So I think I got one more home left in me. It's probably going to be my retirement home or it's going to be my uh, rental. And then I'll buy one more home when I retire. So I said, I want to buy in the next 18 months. So instead of having my dividends reinvest, I'm having my dividends go to cash to create a down payment. Um, Not all my dividends are going to cash, just some. I'm raising cash. And I plan to buy sometime at the end of this year. I want to see the white of their eyes. I want to see, you know what I want to see before I buy another home? I want to see lawyers out on television radio going, is your home in foreclosure? Do you not have enough money to pay the bills? Call us and we'll do a foreclosure negotiation for you and we'll get you out of that home. My name's Rusty Seal and I promise I will get you out of that home. That's when I want to buy. That's an ideal, though. It's, it may or may not happen. So I'm raising some money. 
I'm watching interest rates go up. I don't like that, but I'm raising some money as I'm watching home prices fall. I like that. I know you're saying, but you own three or four properties and you're, they're all going down in value. I know, I know, but I want to buy one more. And then hopefully economic conditions will stabilize and we'll go back to traditional patterns. Um, I say that because it's always happened. It doesn't happen in the timeline of three months. It happens in the timeline of 18 months to three years. Um, So yeah, I want to see prices fall before I jump in. And when the Dallas Fed said there's potential 20% plunge, so what I'm going to look for is that 20% plunge. The home that I bought two years ago, it rose after I bought it at 1.2 million, and it's already given back 600,000 of that gain after I bought it because people were fear of missing out. So they continued to bid prices higher. They continued to bid prices higher. They continued to bid prices higher. In the end, I want my home to go back to the price I paid for it. And then I'll, I'll know it's kind of a round trip and some of the speculation has been wrung out. I'd, I'd rather have 6% growth or 4% growth than 20 to 30% growth. I know you're saying, I'd rather have 20 to 30%. Shut up. Well, you're instant gratification. I'm the distance runner and I'm going to beat you. Tortoise in the hair. So would I wait for a plunge? Eh, I would buy what you can afford is the right answer. When I was 20 years old, I didn't think I could afford the home that I bought. I struggled. And then it worked itself out. When I was 30 years old, I couldn't afford the home that I bought, or I barely could afford the home that I bought. I wish I would now had bought more home in my 20s and 30s. So every time you're gonna be you're gonna be facing this. And I'm good with that. The Dallas Fed stated housing could fall by 20%. Experts admit this is pessimistic projection. In fact, Dallas Fed economist Enrique Garcia says that ideally the Federal Reserve will carefully thread the needle of bringing inflation down without setting off a downward price spiral in homes, which would be similar to a similar crash with the Great Recession. The overnight lending rate could reach as high as 45 to 4.75% in February. Um, the overnight lending rate... This was interesting. I had an email from an EP client last night asking about Flourish. And I'm like, you know, that's something we offer clients. And he's like, um, I'm just now, I just now came into extra cash. So I didn't really need it. I'm like, you know, the best investment I made in the last 52 weeks was putting money in cash. I'm now earning 4% on my cash. Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! Would I rather be earning 6%? No, because that would tell us the economy would be way different. Cash to me is supposed to grow somewhere between two to four percent. It's not supposed to grow six, seven, eight percent. You're not then you get into bonds at five percent. So I guess if I were to wrap this up and talk about home prices, is have a plan and give yourself some time. Um, if you're looking for instant gratification, I'm the wrong show for you. I'm sure there's something in the world of podcast land that's like how to make instant real estate money now. My name is Rusty Seal. And if you see commercials for bankruptcy attorneys, that's the white of their eyes in the world of real estate. I know you're saying you just came up with a new character that you can write a TV show about called Rusty Seal. Probably not. You can find me online, but if you want to become Rusty Seal, you can become Rusty Seal. I do have two TV shows that I'm working on. Concepts. Just concepts at this point in time. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Uh, find me online. We have seminars coming up. You can find out at robblackshow.com. 
robloxshow.com. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Money, investing more, getting your your tookish to retirement is the goal of the show. One of the things I really like doing is taking a look at the headline news and trying to see what we can get out of it together, you know. Sometimes I, I get it, sometimes I don't. There was a day and age where I thought I knew more than I did. And sometimes I'd see a headline and it didn't register with me. Um, like this headline. Netflix co-CEO Ted Sarandos said he currently doesn't see a path to profitability in renting big sports. So when you're trying to figure out what's going on with the streamers, keep in mind, when you're trying to figure out, you, you look for the executives to give you some insight. So he's saying we're not going to be doing a lot of big sports, live big sports. But again, one of the biggest shows in the last two years on Netflix was a show all about international race cars and following around the pit crews. So they they know big sports are interesting to us, but they know that they can't go after the Super Bowl or an NFL package or an MLS package. According to the CEO, now again, this is the same CEO who said, we'll never get into the business of running commercials on our content. We're binge watching or, or broke. So they change, right? Important to know, because the next story I saw on streaming was written by a marketing director. And he goes, his quote was fantastic. Taking a God-tier brand name associated with elite programming and replacing it with an ungoogable mush word, branding malpractice. Okay, so I'm going to do that one one more time. First and foremost, he's talking about HBO Max or HBO and changing the name to Max. And I don't think he could be any more right. We're going like, what are they thinking? So even though I know Time Warner is probably, uh, even though I know HBO Max is probably going to be a long-term spinoff and maybe even a consolidator, I pay for HBO. I I don't pay for Max. I I pay for HBO on the lore of their past programming, and they've had so many great series. And I I don't even want to start listing them because I'm going to embarrass myself by how few I can get out from my memory. Sex and the City, Sopranos, The Wire, Game of Thrones. See what I mean? (laughs) There's like 20 more, right? Um, what's the new one right now? White Lotus that just finished. I I didn't start it. I'll probably get to it because I hear nothing but good things. And they say how HBO it is. So here's the quote one more time where the executive is really, really mad. Or he just doesn't get what HBO is doing by taking HBO out of HBO. And just leaving it with Max. Taking a God-tier brand name associated with elite programming and replacing it with an ungoogable mush word, Max, branding malpractice. Isn't that kind of fun where we get to pick on companies from a distance and laugh at them and go, <laughs> some executive is really not all that smart, but he probably has a 
big vacation house in Hawaii and Mexico and is, is vacationing there right now. How much do we spend on cold and flu medicine brands in the United States? In October, it's not as much you would think. Now, this is before the cold and flu nasty season really got kicking up in November, December. But we spent about $41 million. Um, what's interesting to note about that is, have you ever been in a CVS, a Walgreens, a Rite Aid, where you just went in and got the cough medicine? Probably not. Usually, like, I'm going to get a candy bar. Ooh, I'm going to get, uh, what else do we need? Do we need milk? Do we need, and start going through stuff. Um, my opinion on this story is not that much. I'm a little surprised that we we spend that little. It seems like it would be higher. Uh, keep in mind, I probably have some cough drops from 25 years ago sitting in one of my bathroom drawers, right? Tis the season of giving. Okay, uh, last thing I want to say about CVS and Rite Aid. When we go in for our flu shots, we tend to buy some extra things. I tend to not like the inventory in CVS or Rite Aid or Walgreens. And as an investor, that what I'm trying to say is I tend not to like the inventory. And I tend to find the shopping experience just to be painfully unpleasant. You go in, you're like, I should wear a mask because everyone in here is sick. Uh, if I see people to the left, I should go to the right. Like it, it feels like I might see dead Elvis in here where he didn't really die. But 15 years later, he's shopping at a CVS. You're like, ah, I found him. I, I can't get behind the investment in retail experience. Now, again, what's interesting is if I just do it on my experience, I'm like, I'm, I'm being ignorant. Because in reality, CVS is also a big provider of drugs to human beings. They're a big provider of pills to pharmacies. They get in that in-between relationship between Merck, Pfizer, Lilly, and you, the shopper. That's not such a bad place to be. But again, it still doesn't add up for me. And again, I would rather just say, you know, if I miss that one, I miss that one. You've heard me say that before with cryptocurrency. I don't mind walking away from ideas, even if I could be prong. Tis the season of giving. Many well-heeled adults, people who are making over $200,000, they tend to deduct $30,600 in deductions. I don't have a lot of commentary there. That sounds like a big number. It sounds like too big of a number. I can tell you when I was 21, 22 and doing my taxes on TurboTax or was it Quicken? I think it's just, let's just say TurboTax. Then I would run it and then I'd run it a second time and I'd see which result I liked better. Was I cheating? Oh, was I being creative with my data? Um, I've been audited. Never anything wrong. Never been slapped by the IRS for anything. In fact, the IRS once owed me $100,000. And this is a cute, quick story. They wouldn't send it to me because they thought that was too big of a number to send a check out to. I'm like, what's going on? And they said, you you know, uh, two years later, they, they notify me. Oh, by the way, we have $100,000 of yours. And it's getting a pretty good interest rate. Not bad. 4%. Um, and I probably would have spent that money at that period of my life. So I was, I was almost kind of excited, but they were totally easy to work with. You just had to get off your tukish and call them at 6am 
and try to be one of the first, very first people in line to get your call. And it's like, can you just apply that to my next year's taxes? If you're not going to send it to me, can you just do that? And they're like, no problem. But they weren't going to do that on their own. Interesting, right? There's a new poll saying 43% millennials. Okay, so we're talking about people under 40, right? 43% of millennials expect to receive an inheritance and over half expect at least $350,000. Now, in the same survey, the pollster asked baby boomers, how much do you plan to leave your children? And the answer was $250,000. So who's going to be disappointed here? Or who's right and who's wrong? The millennials are setting themselves up for disappointment if you overassume how much you're going to get in an inheritance. The math isn't mathing. The math isn't working. When you expect 350000 but you only get 250000 The truth is, I've seen in my industry way too many people expect to get an inheritance only to see their parents outlive them. Not outlive them, but live longer than expected. I'm not going to say that's sad, but I want to count on an inheritance because there's some crazy stuff that happens. Um, when you have children, you become friends with other families with children. Um, and we knew this woman named Kelly and Dave or a couple named Kelly and Dave, and they had two little kids and her dad was filthy rich, Palo Alto, rich Palo Alto mountains, rich Palo Alto house on the hills with a pool, rich from 40 years ago, you're stinking rich. And the mom and dad got a divorce late in life, but both kids knew they were going to get a lot of money from dad. When the parents died. So all they had to really do was go to a good college, which they did. Get an okay job, which they did. <clears throat> Start a family, which they did. They didn't have to be high earners. They didn't have to really justify their income to live it in the Bay Area. The mom and dad will eventually get a divorce when the kids are in their 30s. And dad remarries. And dad gives all the money to the new wife. Changes as well. Nothing to the kids. Nothing to his first wife. Don't count on inheritance. I've seen crazy stuff like that happen. You with me? You against me? You got to choose a side. Um, one of the brands that I kind of adore from the 1980s, just from a studying standpoint of shopping malls and being in the financial <clears throat> media industry, was Victoria's Secret. I know, I know, I know you're saying very, you know, scandalous, Rob, scandalous, shame. Victoria's Secret was synonymous with an annual fashion show where they had angels. They prayed the brand's latest intimate offerings. In the process, the brand also submitted its reputation as one of the excluded several groups where they excluded plus sizes. Last year, one of the things that they did was they changed their marketing. They changed their leadership. They overhauled their strategy. They acquired a plus-size brand called Adore Me, a direct-to-consumer women's intimates brand known for its extended sizing, marking another significant commitment to redeeming itself from its once-dubious past of tall and skinny, unrealistic-looking human beings. 30. When I first read this, that was their strategy to go, I was like, that's a little bit late. I don't know if they're going to be able to reverse 30 years of marketing. That was my first thought. 
for any brand, including Victoria's Secret, to be able to replicate what others like Amber and Fitch have accomplished, it needs to keep a few key things in mind, starting with turning words into actions. Marketing and branding is really a big part of my industry, as well as financial data. You are listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. I think one of the big stories of 2023 is going to be chat GPT and artificial intelligence. You're seeing a lot of Silicon Valley money uh, flow into artificial intelligence. And Google, they're not going to lose this one. They're not. Maybe they maybe won't win it. Uh, Microsoft and Bing are going to do better. Chat GPT, when you put it into search, it's better than Google search engine. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. How? Um, I was talking about Hal and IBM earlier this week, which is pretty interesting that that computer just talked to me and I don't know where that came from. So ChatGBT, you can type into it, what's the best financial radio show in America? And it'll come up with a definitive answer. Um, I've typed into ChatGPT, what do I, should I buy real estate right now? Um, and I'll, I'll make it even better. I'll say, should I buy real estate right now? I'm 23 years old. Should I buy real estate right now? I'm 23 years old and I make $100,000 a year. And it, it, it refines things ever so slightly. High schools and colleges are freaking out because is it a cheating tool or is it a research tool? Um, the results that I've seen when I type in how to invest in a recession, they're not bad. They're, they're not all that in a bucket of chicken and they certainly don't match to my wavelengths, but they're close to my wavelength. So am I going to be put out of a job? And that's going to take a lot of computing power. ChatGPT is only a few months old and already causing big waves. Experts say ChatGPT and related AI could threaten some jobs, particularly white collar ones. It's going to be an interesting time. Um, there's a big thesis out there that four-year schools are going to lose, probably because their costs are so high. But they're also going to lose some of their power because of artificial intelligence. We can replace some, some mid-level positions. We can. We've seen the service industry say, you know, used to go up and stand in line at McDonald's and that was my game when I was 16 years old and I didn't know how to meet girls. I'd be like, let's go to McDonald's and get a milkshake. And, you know, I'd stand in line with the cutest 16-year-old girl, a 16-year-old boy, a 16-year-old girl. I'm like, this is going to be my one chance. And I'd get up there and freeze. Um, she's been replaced with a kiosk. You now stand at a kiosk, you order your soda, a little plastic cup comes down, fills with ice, and you push a button and off you go. So 2023 is going to be a big year for investment in artificial intelligence. Um, we'll talk about that at the event coming up in Cupertino and a little bit more on income in retirement. For sure, income in retirement. A lot less on artificial intelligence. This show's got the artificial intelligence pretty much so covered. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. So 2023, this morning, we learned that it started with the lowest unemployment rate in over 50 years. That's it's it's not utopian. 
because that creates inflation. And when that creates inflation, the person who works at McDonald's for 15 bucks an hour, they can't keep up with me who is making hundreds and hundreds of dollars an hour, right? I'm, I'm exaggerating. Um, but they want a soda. I want a soda. It's easier for me to absorb. So the lowest unemployment rate in over 50 years is problematic. How much of this has to do with the pandemic? I don't know. How much does it have to do with tech overhiring? I don't know. We need to see some of these tech job losses show up in the unemployment rate. If we're going to feel good that the Federal Reserve is going to eventually stop raising interest rates, they should continue to keep interest rates high. Maybe not raise them too much more, but keep them high until employment goes back to that four and a half, five percent range. Because, again, we will like Goldilocks. Unemployment at four percent is hot. Unemployment at six percent is cold. We don't want it too hot. We don't want it too cold. And those numbers can differ slightly based on what you believe in economic theory. Because it'll work a riser for the action on ASAC's ever mentioned on the show. Netflix has shown us a glimpse of how it plans to crack down on password sharing. This one stinks. Netflix, Netflix is trialing a system that involves logging into one's home Wi-Fi network every 31 days. Netflix trials in Chile, Peru, and Costa Rica show what its password sharing rules may look like. I have a second home. And I have my Netflix up there. I'm not there every 31 days, so it looks like, yep, they're probably going to ding me. Um, will I be able to talk my way out of it? I don't know. That's not the point of the story. It's just that Netflix, at one point in time, and as of yesterday, they still had on their website that uh, password sharing is caring. It's no longer this the case. They need to take that messaging down. To keep a device linked, customers have to access Netflix on the household's Wi-Fi network at least once every 31 days. After 31 days, inactive devices will be disconnected from the household's Netflix account. Netflix also uploaded these guidelines on Wednesday to its U.S. Help Center. Um, so they're, they're tinkering with it. Just throwing that out there for you. So your kid who goes off to, your kid who goes off to college, um, they're okay as long as they stay on that Wi-Fi network. Um, I don't know. That's a, it's going to be interesting how that plays out. And again, if you send your kid off to college without Netflix out, you're a bad parent. I know that's slightly exaggerated. So take a look at the stocks today. And I find this interesting because last week we had Microsoft and I follow a lot of tech stocks. Okay. So let's, let's keep that in mind. Last week we had Microsoft report bad numbers for Microsoft. They've announced big job cuts, right? But ultimately their net addition in jobs is way higher than their net loss. So in over two years, they're still adding amazing amounts of jobs. Within the last three months, they're losing a lot of jobs. So you kind of see where the economy is, but Bad numbers out of Amazon and Apple. I, Apple wasn't terribly disappointing to me, but I see why Wall Street was a little bummed. Um, but when you take a look at Amazon, Apple, and Alphabet, they're higher than they were three days ago. And they're higher than they were yesterday. No, not yesterday. Well, Apple is. Amazon and Google are still kind of working their way back to yesterday's highs. But on a three-day basis, they're all at highs. At a two-day basis, not so much. And on one day, you see the idea, right? So this quarter's going kind of swimmingly for stocks. There's a lot of money being pummeled, uh, funneled into tech stocks. Apple's up five bucks today, one fifty-six. Tesla's up eight bucks today. Google's down a buck ninety. Meta's up a dollar. Netflix is up two sixty. I would say that the year is starting too hot 
there's a lot of money chasing performance. I'm not upset by it. I'm just not going to expect that for the year, tech stocks are going to be up 140% in the NASDAQ. I just don't believe that. Can we pull a lot of gains forward? Yeah. Just like we pulled a lot of demand and consumption forward during the pandemic when we stayed at home. We're like, I got to buy five years worth of furniture this year. Now we don't need furniture for the next four years. Now we don't need computers for the next three years because we pulled it all forward in the in COVID. We'll need them every four years like we typically do. You get the idea. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archive podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth's certified financial planners online at robblackshow.com. Let's mix in a little bit of headline news with a little bit of themes for 2023. AMD and Intel and NVIDIA have slashed orders with Taiwan Semiconductor. This is a 2022 versus a 2023 story. Maybe even you could throw in a 2021, 2022 versus 2023. 2023, we need to see earnings expectations come down. Until it does, the market's not going to bottom. And this is earnings expectations for the biggest companies in the world, like Intel, like NVIDIA, like Microsoft, like Cisco. Um, I'm in no way, shape or form. Am I just naming tech companies only? You can say, you know, gee, we need all numbers to come down because the international monetary fund said 2023 is going to be a lot tougher than 2022 in world economies. So there's gonna be less demand, but let's work with this story real quickly on Taiwan semiconductor TSMC, which I think is a lovely consideration for investment. They make the equipment. No, no, no. They don't make the equipment. They buy the equipment, the semiconductor equipment companies, like Applied Materials, Novellus, LAM Research. They'll buy the machines from them, put together what's called a foundry, and say, okay, Intel, NVIDIA, AMD, just send us your blueprints. Send us the code on how you want us to put these chips together. And by the way, we've got world-class operations here. We just bought the newest of the newest equipment. You don't have to do it. But every chip we manufacture, we're going to charge you maybe 1%, 2% of the chip cost. Okay, you see where it's the kind of the business model's going? Um, outsourcing is big, especially when the equipment costs so much money to acquire. Like if I want it to be a huge printing operation, I don't know, I'd have to go out and buy like a probably one of those Kinkos or FedEx printers that are huge and never break down. I don't have the money for that. So I'm going to outsource. I'm going to take my work to Kinkos or FedEx and say, can you print these for me? How many do you need? 400? Not a problem. Come back in two minutes. So Taiwan Semiconductor was immune last year to the softening high-tech market in the second and third quarter. But that party's over. And what I mean by that is NVIDIA, Intel, and AMD said, you know what? We need semiconductors, so we're going to order. Let's say if they thought they were going to need 150, they said, we'll, we'll order 200. And that could be million units kind of thing, okay? So I'm just trying to give you soft numbers so that we can kind of play with what's happening here. 2022, there were supply chain constraints. There was COVID shutdowns. Um, somehow Apple got most of the product that they wanted, but by the end of 2022, even Apple was saying, you know, we're not going to have as, as much product to sell as we want to. And it's like, dang, Taiwan semiconductor. 
um, shutting down your factories due to COVID, shutting down your factories due to supply constraints, i.e. if they need 100 pounds of silicon. Um, and it's kind of funny because I once heard someone refer to Silicon Valley as Silicon Valley. And let's just say the person was kind of not the smartest. And I'm like, no, no, Silicon Valley is in L.A. because that's where you get a lot of fake people with, how shall we say, augmentations. Silicon Valley is in Northern California. But I always giggle at that when I think about that out loud. Um, and yes, the person was blonde. Um, so I want to wrap this up and just say AMD, Intel, and NVIDIA have all said we no longer need 200 semiconductors. We need 150 or maybe even 125. We're lowering where we thought we were going to be. And that's a big deal to start the new year. That is a big deal to start the new year for tech. When you get the big three slashing orders, it, it's a good thing. It's a bad thing. Because it's a lot more realistic in the environment we're in. But you're also going to see like, well, let's say, and I'm doing this hypothetically. because I don't have my spreadsheets open right now. Let's say NVIDIA is selling at 35 times next year's earnings. They had that earnings expectation based on selling 200 semiconductors. Now, in reality, they're only going to be able to sell 150 or 125. Therefore, their valuation at 30 times earnings or 35 times earnings, that needs to come down or they need to earn more money. And you can earn more money by firing people. But in technology, you try not to have too much staff. But during COVID, tech companies hoarded anyone they can get. And now you're seeing they're paying the price on too much labor and less demand. So 2023, is, I don't want to use the word off to an auspicious start. I think it's off to a smart start. I'm very, very comfortable that they've slashed orders. Do I think AMD, Intel, NVIDIA are going lower? I think based on this, yeah, there's a little bit of a chance. As analysts say, okay, you've slashed order, so we're going to lower our numbers on our spreadsheets. And then we're going to look at the valuation and tell our investors, um, we don't like NVIDIA at 40 times earnings. We like them at 25 times earnings. And now they look more like, a, like that's what's going to happen in the coming days. And that's a good thing, not a bad thing. Get real with yourself. If you're obese, is is it because you're eating too much sugar, drinking too much alcohol, not exercising enough? What is it? Be real with yourself. Some big themes for 2023. Tensions with China. A former Secretary of State, um, not head of the Secretary, not Secretary of State, but someone from the State Department recently said over the weekend that he thinks China is gearing up for a war or potentially a battle for Taiwan. The fate of the world economy may depend on what happens to a company in Taiwan most Americans have never heard of. TikTok could vanish from the United States. Renewed made in America trend is going to make things like clothing and electronics more expensive. These are all huge storylines for 2023. And they're all going to drive tensions between the United States and China. China wants their cake and eat it too. United States, we want our cake and eat it too. In the past, we said, well, we'll make things in China. We'll let you make them for us, but we want lower cost. Now it's a global economy and we kind of try to fight for jobs in our own country. You get the idea. I'm not going to get too big into that. But another big theme in 2023 will be an abundance agenda. 
a lot of one-off purchases have gotten less expensive over time, like cars, TV, computers, recurring costs like college tuition, healthcare, housing costs, childcare, energy, and food have increased in the United States. But the abundance of Jenna posits that the United States has the ability to change course if it makes it easier to invest in these long-term goals, to train more doctors, to build more houses, to develop more renewables. There'll be some momentum in 2023 on this. And then the cushy perks of tech work are starting to disappear. There's going to be a lot more discipline at tech companies. You can find me at robblackshow.com. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.